And now it's time for the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Dalton. Welcome to the metaphorical end of the season as Baylor has ended any hope of a silver lining as the Longhorns lost 24 to 10 and I wouldn't even say the game was that close. I'm Dalton Sweat here with Chris Dukes, the publisher of Longhorn Maven. This is the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven podcast. You can find out more on si.com slash college slash Texas or you can follow Chris on Twitter at Dukes Take to find out a little more information. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, it's uh, it's good to be here. It's good to uh, good to, to good to be amongst people. Whenever you're when, <laughs> when when you're metaphorically mourning, as as Texas fans, are, I'm sure kind of are at this point. That's what I mean. It's not it's not the end of the season, but there was still a, a sliver of hope before this Baylor game. You beat Baylor. You beat a, a top team. You go in, close out with a, a win at Tech and a win in the bowl game. You end up with a a decent record. There was still a a, a bit of hope at salvaging this season and having some silver lining to go into the end of the year. And then Baylor just crushed all hope. Oh, eight and four sounds a lot better than seven and five or, you know, I'm sure we'll get into uh, what six and six <laughs> could look like, but, yeah. but uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's not even just the, the fact that Texas lost it, it. It's, it's the manner in which they lost, you know, just out physical and, and really, uh, the stats don't don't tell the whole story because they were they were they were dominated through that whole game. Yeah, well, twenty four to ten, but it's twenty four to three if you take off the last second of the ball game. You right. know, um, it, it was just a it was a the defense actually looked like they were half decent. You few a few complaints, but nothing overarching. Let's start with the offense on this. That that I, there's only one word I can come up with, and it's putrid. I mean, it looked awful. It was. Uh... They couldn't protect. They couldn't protect Sam Ellinger against a three-man rush. Uh, they couldn't get guys open down the field. They couldn't establish a running game. Uh, you know, other than the big Keontae Ingram run right before the end of the first half, mm-hmm. they couldn't. They were manhandled. They were. I, I used the word mauled in my uh, in, in in my headline for the gamer that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And, and I really that's just I, other than the fact that it's you know the. It's a bear. It's a bear, which <laughs> was the cheap the cheap connotation there. But yeah. I mean, mauling is I mean, you could call it a mugging. You could call it. It was just a. They got beaten up by a more physical football team for four quarters. Yeah, you are a newspaper man at heart, so you've got to come up with those <laughs> those cheap connotations for headlines, if you will. But, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. It's the right word, whether it's a, a bear mascot or not. Uh, I mean, it was just it was awful to watch. I mean, it, outside of the the Baylor fans, anybody else in the country who watched this football game, it was awful to watch. I mean, it was just boring, and 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 no, there was no flow of the offense. How does this team go from scoring thirty eight against LSU to putting up essentially three through to against Baylor? I I think uh, some of it some of it comes down to the that the teams have kind of figured out one of Texas Texas's weaknesses is. You know, anything you do. I mean, if you can, if you can confuse that offensive line, they're they're, they're good and they're. I mean, I think, I honestly think they're 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 talented physically, but it seems like they really struggle with any kind of complication at all when it comes from you know a stunt or a slant or any, anything like that. Well, and Texas has a veteran offensive line coach. It's not like this was some young call up that's cutting his chops at UT. I mean, 
Herb Hand knows what the heck he's doing. And and it's it's really inexcusable it, at, at you know when you're when you're at this point of the season to not be able to do some of the simple things that Texas isn't able to do when it comes to protecting the quarterback. So I hear a lot uh, throughout the year uh, that Herb Hand likes to. Um, um, Cross train across the line. Maybe we're seeing some negative impacts of that where guys are are sacrificing being an expert at their position to be okay at another. Like the jack of all trades yeah. uh, kind of kind of situation. I'm spitballing here. But. Yeah, uh, honestly, <laughs> that's what that's kind of what we're all doing right now. You know, I wish, you know, I, I think uh from from just about everywhere you, you hear it from media coaches, anybody right now, you kind of look at this thing and you look at where the like you look at all the, the parts of the equation, and you don't know how it adds up to the team that we saw on the field uh, on Saturday, other than uh, there's there's a lack of execution, which is coach speak for we did a bad job coaching. <laughs> I, I mean, really, uh, we've, we've dissected this a million different ways, and at some point you just have to look at it and say that this is a coaching failure. And I think Tom Herman even said as much already um, that that he failed this year. Um, I think that's a quote from after the game. I'd have to go look it up to find it. But um, very close to. I don't know yeah. if that's exactly what he said, but it was real close. Yeah, and so um, I, that's that's all there is left is is a for for the offensive side of the ball. You know, early on, Todd Orlando's name was in the the mix of oh man, are we going to have to find a new defensive coordinator? But once Texas got healthy, I think they started playing a level of defense that appeared to be at least um, acceptable, you know, it, it, it not, it, and he seems, his seat has cooled, but it, at this point, I, I don't want to dive all the way in to coaching changes, but at this point, something's got to change on that, Oh, on that offensive side. Without a doubt, and, uh, you know, going back to, to Orlando, you know, I think the last two weeks, you know, Texas has given up, what, 20, 23 and 24 points, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's definitely not the 85 Bears, but it's... That's good enough to win your your Big Twelve games for the most part. In, in the Big Twelve, it might be your eighty five Bears, right? <laughs> right. And, and I mean, you know, I uh, I think they did a pretty good job of keeping the lid on Baylor. And and you know, Baylor Baylor had three hundred ninety one total yards, uh, two twenty eight through the air. It they didn't they didn't they didn't light anybody up, and they they were more physical in the second half and really kind of took control of the line of scrimmage, but some of that comes from a, when your offense keeps putting you in those positions, your, your defense is eventually, the the, 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 the dam's going to break, and it kind of did in that second half. Yeah, and, and in the first half, it seemed like even though Texas wasn't scoring, they were still putting together some decent drives. It wasn't three and out, three and out, you know? And so the defense was getting a chance to rest in there, and I think you could see the fight from the Texas defense, and then in that second half, that, that started to change a little bit, and the offense got even worse. And it got to the point where you're right; they were putting the defense into positions that it's hard not to give up at least 24 points at that at that time. Yeah, and, and I mean, in the first half, one of the things they did well why why they held Baylor to seven points in the first half was they were moving the ball and playing the field position game. I mean, I, they were they were they weren't scoring, but at least they were returning serve on, in those situations and not just punting it back to Baylor, where Baylor takes over, yeah. you know, at the 50. You know, yeah, they're exactly. they're. They're, they're they're pushing them back and making them drive the length of the field themselves. And in the second half, that kind of that kind of stopped. And that's when that's when you, you can't. I guess you can say the wheels came off because you know twenty four three doesn't twenty four ten doesn't sound like the wheels coming off. But that second half, 
I, I just think that's the, the the best way to put it. It's back to the the stats don't show what the eyes see. You know, and when anybody who watched this ball game, Texas wasn't in it. I mean, it, it through, through the first half, yeah, but come the second half, that the offense. This may be Sam Ellinger's worst game as a starting quarterback in Texas. I didn't go back through every stat line, but um, twenty two for thirty seven, two hundred yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Um, that's as bad. His his quarterback rating was something like twenty five. I mean, awful, legitimately awful. Yeah, and I mean, he added you know nineteen for seventy nine on the ground, but that was kind of Baylor's plan. Was hey, let's 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 shut down everything you know everything down the field. If he wants to go underneath, he can. If he if he wants to try to run, he can. But we're gonna hit him. And my goodness, did he take a beating in that game too? I I, I don't know how much that guy can physically have left after what he's had to do for this team the last three weeks. Uh, And you saw him try and pull out the stops. You saw him drop back, look at one receiver and then say, it's on my shoulders and take off. And he didn't, he didn't go in sliding. Oh no. And, and, and I mean, those, those Baylor guys were screaming downhill. Just, I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, they, you know, the, the way they were spying him, they were basically, you know, daring him to do it. And he knew, he's like, he had to know, you know, this is going to be four yards and it's going to hurt, but I've got to get my team down the field. And, and you, you can't, you can't fault his effort. Uh, you know, the, the one interception, I think he finally got, that was a, that was a product of frustration. I think he tried to force one down the field. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that some of this maybe comes on to some of these younger receivers, you know, not having Colin Johnson out there, but once again, at some point, that can't be an excuse either. <laughs> yeah, well, you're. It's not like they're they're freshmen. They, they they may have the freshman tag, but once you've played in so many games, you should at least have some seasoning to you, you know. Um, and, and then we look at the running game. Besides Sam Ellinger, I think there was like eleven or twelve rushes by the rest of the team, you, and you yank out the sixty-eight yarder. Which, by the way, that run by Keontae Ingram looked like a real running back. I mean, yeah. a couple really strong cuts. Hard cuts at the right moment, shake off a tackle. You know, uh, it, it looked like a, a, the the style of running you'd hope to see, as a as opposed to, um, I guess, almost just one yard, one cut, and then downhill and get tackled at four and a half yards, right. which is what we've seen for a lot of the the rest of the the, the game. That one that one run looked like a, a, a NFL type of you know running back, but you take that out and. It's nothing. I mean, it's literally zero help from from the running back position. And if, and you know, in, in true uh, Texas's luck faction, uh, he got hurt on that play and didn't come back in the game. You know, yeah. he's uh, he's going to have an MRI on his ankle today. We should know more Monday, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it 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 it, it looks like the home run type of of running we were we were kind of all expecting from from Ingram all year. Mm-hmm. That I mean, you know, we've seen him. We've seen him pick up some tough yards, but not been. He hasn't been that threat like he was right then. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was an impressive run. And Baylor was in a pretty good defense. I mean, uh, it wasn't like they caught they caught him in, in a scheme situation. It was just a, a an excellent run, a great cut, and really decisive once he decided where he was going with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yes, that was that's about the only one worth talking about. <laughs> that in fact, that might be the only offensive play worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, it was just. Does anything else stand out in your mind? Uh, Devin Duvernay had seventy eight yards receiving on ten catches. Um, I mean, I can't think of another offensive play that 
really jumps out to me worth bragging on. Right. I mean, I guess whenever you score 10 points with one of them being a touchdown in the last second to, uh, you know, a, a backup running third back. string running back, yeah. I guess, in Young. But um, it was just it, it was just a, a pathetic day on offense. Yeah. And, you know, Baylor, Baylor took the the approach that you know we're gonna we're gonna make them just like we said exactly what they were gonna do we're gonna we're gonna rush three we're gonna drop eight then nothing's getting past us and we don't think that Texas at this point has enough cohesion on offense to put together those long drives that they're gonna need to to beat us and they were they were right well and let let's move on past the the Baylor game we don't we don't need to put anybody else in the in the mental asylum uh <laughs> today so let's let's go ahead and and let's talk about what this this loss in this game means and then we'll kind of get into maybe the rest of the season um at this point i don't think there's anybody even the most hardy texas fans that you know back the program in, in do or die I think everybody thinks that there's got to be a coach on the chopping block at this point. Um, do you think it's Tim Beck? I I was talking with some uh, some other guys on the beat on the uh, after the game, and you know Tim Beck would make sense just because I think Herman needs at this point with all the little things that have been you know falling by the wayside that you notice. I really think Herman needs somebody he can turn the keys over on the offense too. Because I mean, he's still calling plays a lot of the, a lot of this game, and he's still heavily involved in the offensive game planning. Uh, I think he needs some he needs someone he can turn the keys over to, so he can oversee this program as like a like a CEO and 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 really kind of catch some more of these little details that are that have been falling through. You know, it, it's uh, I, I I don't I don't know that maybe he's got a little tunnel vision with with the offense right now, and and, and clearly. The, the approach isn't working either way. I mean, it, you, if it's not Beck, it, there's going to have to be something um, changed on this offensive uh, offensive side. Well, that was my next question: was do, do you foresee a coordinator on the chopping block at the end of this season, or do you foresee maybe keep the coordinators and some of the lower level coaches end up getting turned over? Yeah, uh, I I think. I think it'll be interesting. I know, uh, Herman said after the game that you know that all staff evaluations will be done after after Friday's game, uh, which you know clearly didn't make it seem like hey we're 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 sticking with the guys we got. <laughs> it wasn't a vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he said that's some stuff we haven't had time to look at, and and that's something we'll evaluate after Friday. So I I, I think at the very least, you know, you're going to lose a couple of position coaches. Uh, I, I just I don't know how you can't at this point. Uh, there's there's got to be a, a sacrificial lamb offered up to uh, to appease the the Texas fan base. Well, and and to be honest, I don't think that position coaches are good enough. I I don't I don't think that's going to quell the. I mean, unless Tom Herman believes Tim Beck is the best in the country. Period. The best offensive coordinator in the country, and he is staking his reputation. On those, him and, and Todd Orlando being the, the the appropriate quality that's going to get him a national championship. Unless he's literally saying, "I'm sticking with these guys because I think they take me to the 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 college football playoffs." If I can get them into a good position, it's that, or you've got to let one of them go at this point. 
because if he doesn't let go of a of a coordinator type position, then I think he's going to be it's going to be an off season of hell in Austin. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it, I, it's going to be an uncomfortable one as it is. Uh, the the balance that you have to kind of walk at this point with the way that the, the college football landscape has changed is how how. When do you, if you do make those decisions, when do you make them? Do you make them immediately after the season when you can go have your pick of whatever you want, you know, from assistant coaches? Or do you wait till after uh, early signing day when you can ink in that class? Because, you know, I mean, you know, when you talk about Tim Beck, part of part of his, part of what keeps him employed and, and you know, keeps him lucrative as a coach is, is his recruiting ability. And, you know, Texas has a, another top five recruiting class that they can't let just completely crumble mm-hmm. in the last two weeks of the year. Well, I, I think we've only got one more game left before uh, an extended absence before a bowl game, you know? And so I think it's going to be difficult to salvage the season at this point is what I'm saying, whether or not you have Tim Beck on that coaching staff or not. So I think I'd be of the opinion of, letting somebody go early in the off season and starting your evaluations at that point or potentially even bringing somebody in that could start to install a bit of an offense during the bowl practices you know um i don't know that you could make a move that early because typically the guys that you want to hire at texas an offensive coordinator are still coaching um you know you, you would expect them to still be out there but uh, a plan, so it, it may not, you know, the, the the dream scenario may not be a realistic scenario, but um, I, I I think it might be time to cut bait, you know. It, it I uh, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions myself, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I do I do tend to agree that you can't keep doing the same thing. Like yeah. you can't go into this next year with the same plan you had this year and expect anybody expect anything different to happen. Uh, you know, especially when you look at the offense, yes, you're going to bring back Ellinger, but th- those receivers, I mean, that receiving core shouldn't what's coming back next year shouldn't inspire a ton of confidence. I mean, yeah, they're all, they're all highly touted guys, but none of them have performed to a level where you without a Duvernay and a, and a Johnson next year that you feel any kind of good about what you're going to have catching the ball for Ellinger. Yeah, and you also have to look at, with, with these coaches, a lot of these coaches, Tom Herman has coached with a long time. You know, um, he had experience with beforehand. Beck is one that he did have experience with, but not, I wouldn't say extended right. um, in, in his career. They were both at Ohio State um, before um, coming to Texas. Actually, you know, is that even true? Was Were they both coaching together at Ohio State, or was, was Tim Beck after Herman? No, they were. Uh, yeah, they were. I think Tim Beck was after Herman. I think it's whenever Herman was in was in Houston. But I, beyond beside the point, I don't know that he has the history with Herman that some of these other position coaches do. That Herman is coached with from Texas State to Houston and all you know at all right. these different stops. I think their their relationship is a little thinner, and that's why I think he might be the man on 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 the hot seat. Right, and, and like I said, I, I think it's going to come down to will Herman let somebody else control that side of the ball or 
is he going to want to, I mean, keep his, his fingerprints all over the offense, which, I mean, they clearly are right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the style of offense he wants to run. It, it's the same that he ran all the way back to Texas State. I mean, this, there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. It's something he learned from Greg Davis, you know. Yeah. And, and by the way, the Greg Davis comparisons start to come out a lot more when it's struggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, some of it's going to be, you know, Herman having to swallow some pride and and let some other guys, you know, have some in, input on this offense. I mean, I mean, obviously he 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 allows input, but let somebody else put some prints on this thing because I just I think it's it's kind of become predictable, and when you don't. When you don't have the the bell cow wide receiver that you know they have had the I mean the last couple of years with, with Johnson and, and you know even little Jordan Humphrey, uh, I mean Duvernay's doing a great job, but he's he's not the freak athlete that yeah. Colin Johnson yeah is you know and and, and uh, yeah it, it's it's hard to make this work with when you, this is an offense that when your X's aren't elite. Uh, the O's have have a have a fighting chance because it's 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 I mean not not predictable but it, it's there's 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 a game plan for it and you you saw you saw exactly what Baylor did that's that's the that's the way you defend this offense. What are Texas goals for the rest of this year? What 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 is there anything on the table that that makes Texas fans good feel good the the next two games? I think not embarrassing yourself at home against Texas Tech <laughs> number one. <laughs> Because, uh, like I said, seven. I, I think seven and five. If you go, if you go lose Friday uh, on Black Friday in front of your home crowd to a non-bowl team, all of a sudden, you know, this thing starts to look like a dumpster fire. You finish mm-hmm. the year with three losses. You get a win. You can you can at least finish the year. Take, send your seniors out with a win at home. You know, I. I, I I, we were kind of looking at, at, at bowl possibilities, and you know, I think the Texas Bowl in Houston sounds like a possibility at this point. Uh, you know, maybe play in front of you know a really partial crowd, beat an SEC team, get some kind of momentum going into the off season. But I don't think it's going to be anything that changes. I, I don't think anybody's going to change too much from where they feel right now until they until they hear some some off season moves. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think at this point, <clears throat> there's got to be, there's nothing left to be done on the football field that's gonna that's going to appease the crowd. You know, um, even even a thirty point win over Tech and a strong win in the bowl game, I mean, you're gonna appease ten or twenty percent of your fan base that 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 would never leave anyways. Right. You know, um, I, I I think there's got to be something done off the field, something to to gin up some. Um, talking points, some enthusiasm, some reason to believe and have hope. You know, I, I mean, you there, there's got to be some sort of change, and that may even be true for the recruiting class. I mean, when you're talking about holding together a recruiting class, a lot of that's PR, you know, and trying to make some big swing higher yeah. may be something that can excite a uh, a recruiting class to 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 stay, you know, instead of to start looking elsewhere. I remember Matt Brown, the year that he uh, made coordinator changes, you know, managed to keep that entire recruiting class together when there was no, there were no coordinators in place. You know, it was, it was really impressive. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, I, I think that 
some of that comes down to those individual relationships and who they're with and, you know, is Herman, is Herman involved enough with all of those, those, some of those bigger name guys that he can, he can, he can write that ship himself. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know all the answers to that. I'm, I'm, I'm not on the road rec- uh, covering recruiting every week, but I, I know that, uh, Beck is, especially Beck is heavily, heavily involved in, the, in, in on the recruiting side, and and I think that he is establishing a lot of these relationships with some of these, uh, some of these kids on on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and besides that, when we're talking about a PR move to bring in a hot shot that's gonna, uh, you know, reinvigorate the fan base for a per, per se a, a coordinator type position. Because uh, I don't think you get that type of uh, impact from a, a position coach. Um, I I don't know of anybody out there that has that type of cachet. You know, I'm not. I can't think of anybody that people are going to go. Oh man, that's a that's a great hire. You know, that's that's uh, that's really going to take Texas to the next level. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there, but um, you, when you're talking about promoting these guys into a coordinator position, you're either stealing somebody from a smaller school. Um, or you're promoting a co-OC quarterback coach, a.k.a. Tim Beck at Ohio State in 2016, you know, um, in, into one of these types of positions. It's, it's not necessarily a name position very often unless you get to a, a major Apple White or something like that. You know? Right. And uh, I, I, I don't think that's the right answer at this point. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you, know, you know, look at what LSU did in the offseason. You know, you bring in Joe Brady. You know, from the from the Saints, he was their their pass game coordinator. You know, assistant. He comes in and he's their pass game coordinator this year. Completely changes what that offense looks like. You're right. Uh, you know, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a new OC. It can if you could just bring in a, a different voice, somebody that you know can bring in some innovation and, and some, you know, just add just just add another element to this offense and 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 put put your quarterback, who's you know a once a decade kind of guy. In some better situations, because you've got you're going to have one year left with with Sam Ellinger, and you know you you can't help but consider as far as win totals go, considering the the talent that you have at quarterback, nothing less than a disappointment at this point. Yeah, well, and I mean, heck, it's not like Alabama doesn't change their offensive coordinator every year. Maybe one of those guys is looking yeah. for a job. <laughs> I mean, it seems they flip they flip a new one in there every season and 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 seem to do just fine. Um, you're, I, like I said, I, I know you're, you're on the fence of, of, uh, coordinator change may be much, too much at this point. I, I think that that might be a, a requirement at the end of the season is to, to go that high on the list, you know? Yeah. Like I said, I, I, it's not that I'm, 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 I guess on the fence would be the, the right answer. I think if you can go out and make a splash higher then then it's something you want to look into. I, I always kind of you know, go back to the point that you don't really get better by firing people. You get better by hiring people. So, I mean, I, I think if you've, if you've got someone in mind that you know you can go get, then, yeah, I, 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 could, I think both coordinators could go. Mm-hmm. But if you're not – if you're not – if you're making lateral moves at those positions, you're probably just hurting the development. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Then again, what development at this point, right, is what yeah. people are saying. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I think on the fence is – Correctly describes my position on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead. We kind of talked about some of the goals for the rest of the year. Let's look at 
Texas Tech, Texas Tech a little bit more closely. Uh, I'm Dalton Sweat here with uh, Chris Dukes, the publisher of Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at uh, Longhorn Sports Illustrated. Uh, let's roll into Texas Tech a little bit more. Uh, four and seven, two and six in conference with losses to everybody in conference, but Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Man, this conference is weird. It's really losses weird. to Texas Tech loses to everybody but Oklahoma State and West Virginia, who I would say are, I don't know, third and fourth best teams, fourth and fifth best teams. You know, they're the top half the conference at least. Yeah, I mean, um, West Virginia. You're what? right, West Virginia. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, a little too much of last year, but nonetheless. But uh, Oklahoma State – it might be the third best team in the conference. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's it's it, they they've had a weird season, and it, I, I feel like I've said this next statement for pretty much all year. Um, their their losses are very very close this year. It's like you know I guess teams four through ten are even in in the Big Twelve, and it just calls causes jumbled mess, but. The last three losses, 37-34 to Kansas, 33-31 to TCU, 30-27 to to Kansas State. You know, two three-point losses and a two-point loss. Sounds like we're talking about Iowa State again. Um, they've at least been competitive with all of these teams that Texas has been, well, sadly competitive with. Right. It, it, it's kind of another one of those games where you you don't – you look you look at who they've played and how it's turned out and, and you, you – you know, it's kind of eerily similar to, to Texas' season, mm-hmm. minus a minus you know a, an insane finish in at Kansas, where you know they they block the they block the game winning field goal and then return it and try to pitch the ball and give the ball right back to Kansas, who kicks another one. What <laughs> the freak play of the year, pretty yeah. much? Um, yeah, you're you're right. You know, uh, they they lost to you know they lost to TCU on a, on a field goal. They lost to they lost to. Kansas State on a kickoff return last week. You know they they, they found some some pretty uh, some pretty adventurous ways to lose to lose football games. Yeah, well let's uh, let's start at the start at the top here. Uh, their head coach Matt Wells um, has quite a bit of experience uh, turning around a program at Utah State. I know a lot of people liked that hire coming into the year. Hasn't really uh, produced quite that that level this season. You know. Um, but he's he's a, a offensive guy at a school like Tech with an offensive history. Um, what? Tell me a little bit about what you know on Matt Matt Wells. I know that uh, you know the personnel he has right now can't really play that quite the style of football that he's going to want to at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of working with a hybrid this year. Really good with quarterbacks. Really good. Uh, really good offensive mind, like you said. Uh, He's shown a lot of ability. Uh, he's shown a lot of versatility this year, willing to you know do what some of these guys were recruited to do and, and do best. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, kind of opened up the offense a little bit. You you don't think this is his offense? You think this is his offense tailored around the players that he inherited? Yeah, I think it's the Wells Kingsbury offense kind of. <laughs> uh, but but you know uh, you know hats off to him for that. It's something we kind of just hammered Texas about not being able to you know work adjust. With, yeah yeah. <laughs> um, well, and it starts with the quarterback Jet Duffy, as any college team does. Um, he's been okay this year, you know, nothing particularly special. Two thousand four hundred some odd yards, sixteen touchdowns, five interceptions. Been smart with the football, decent on the ground, uh, more of a, a spread passer. You know, you're thinking Kingsbury recruit. You know, yeah. 
um, you know, that type of offense. But he's been a solid quarterback, nothing to scoff at. Yeah, I mean, he's a backup. Uh, Alan Bowman got hurt early in the year. Uh, you know, that was their that was going to be their guy, but they ended up redshirting him for the rest of the year. Duffy's Duffy's done a pretty good job. He's completing what sixty five percent of his passes, uh, sixteen touchdowns, only five picks. Yeah. Um, very mobile guy. You know, good athlete. He's gonna. He's. He's exactly the kind of guy that Texas has been giving up career days to. <laughs> <laughs> the man, he uh, he's been okay all year, but he looked real good against UT. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly that that type of player. Yeah, I know we we've I, once again I, I almost feel like a broken record sometimes. Yeah, when we were talking it's about Groundhog these, Day a little bit. Yeah, these these okay quarterbacks to maybe even decent, and then all of a sudden they come out and look like. Oh well, this guy's got pro potential. You yeah. know how many uh, how many Skylar Thompsons can you throw out there in, in, in the world? <laughs> how many Max Duggins do yeah, we have to <laughs> exactly have to see? And then uh, you know they're running back. Uh, I'm not even going to try the first name Thompson. Um, he's a, a freshman, a bigger kid, six foot two ten. Solid running back has really taken over on this uh, second half of the year. Uh, Eleven touchdowns. He's they, they've got for a Texas Tech team that is historically known to not run the ball at all. Um, he's actually been a, a pretty decent runner for him. Yeah, and, and you know, you look at his size and his power, and he definitely has both, but he's a really agile guy for 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 uh, how big he is. And he's kind of – he's definitely a different type of runner than Texas Tech has had in the past, and you kind of see the direction that they want to head in the future whenever you look at him. Um, and then we'll talk just to touch about their uh, their wide receivers, which they've actually got some 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 players that are producing, kind of like Texas, where they've got uh, one guy who produces well and one guy who's got NFL type hopes. You know, Devin Duvernay and Colin Johnson. Well, right. similar with R.J. Turner and T.J. Vasher. Um, you know, Vasher's six six. Uh, he's an NFL prospect. He's only got four hundred. 73 yards receiving and six touchdowns. Turner's actually leading the team with uh, with 600 plus yards receiving, you know. But they, they do have some talent out there at the at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, and and they they they've got some depth too. I think they've got what eight guys that have more than 20 catches this year. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of guy, a lot of uh, they, they spread the ball around a lot, and and like you said, Vasher's clearly the the. The guy that the NFL scouts are going to be looking at, yeah, six six and can run. Who who wouldn't look at him? Yeah, you know? and, and and Turner's Turner's the guy that's making catches in traffic. He's he's uh he's got he's got some speed too. You know, he's got a seventy nine yard touchdown this year. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a good balance. It's it's not a group even even with Vasher that any of those guys are like you know they're not a CD Lamb or yeah. uh, you know uh, Tylen Wallace or somebody like that out there that you got to game plan your entire team around but there's enough guys that if you if you're if you let one of them lose any of them can beat you deep i see this as a team just like we've seen the last couple of weeks that the texas defense may not be able to shut out or you know hold the 10 points or something like that but should keep this game under 30 under 30 yeah Yeah. uh you know in, in the 20s to where a typical texas offense if if that's even a thing anymore should have a, a chance to really put this up. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tech score something like twenty-one in this ball game. It just wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and 
score 21 and still win. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the part I didn't want to say. But <laughs> um, their defense does have some talent on it. Uh, Jordan Brooks has been uh, a nobody that became a somebody and now is all over NFL draft boards at, at linebacker. Um, he's 6'1", 245. But it's really just stood out the last couple of years as one of their leading tacklers. He's got over 100 tackles already this year, a couple of sacks. I mean, he's he's a playmaker. He's a true playmaker at linebacker. Right, and you know, a, a guy like you don't really think of a Big Twelve running or Big Twelve linebacker six one two forty five to be set up to have a lot of success with the kind of offenses yeah. they have. To Seems face. a little short and a little squatty right. to to be that mobile, you know. <laughs> but he is all over the field, and uh, he. Uh, He's definitely an all, he's an all Big Twelve performer. Um, they kind of have built some of their defense around his ability to to, to get around and, mm-hmm. and get sideline to sideline, and, and you know they they lean heavily on him. Obviously, with when you look at the fact that he's got almost twice as many tackles as anybody else on this team. Yeah, and then you know their defensive line has a couple studs too. Broderick Washington hasn't really produced as much on the statistic side of thing, but he's a defensive tackle, a three technique. Sometimes it's hard at that position to really show off um, with statistics. Right. Um, but he's another one of those that's on NFL radars, at least, you know. Um, and then Eli Howard leads, leads the team with four and a half sacks on the D-line. Um, so they've, they've got some talent in, in uh, up front, too. Yeah, it's not a bad front seven. It, it's not as in the same league with the one that Texas saw a week ago. Uh, but it, it's a group that can give you problems whenever you've been already struggling. It's a group that if you can't figure out a way to turn things around this week, you could give up 21 points and lose this game. You know, uh, uh, they're 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 capable on defense. They're competent on defense. They're not dangerous. Yeah. But this is a group that that can that can force you to go the length of the field, which we've said a couple of times over the past couple of weeks. But a group that. Uh, you just don't even you don't even know what to expect from Texas offense right now. You know, you, you look at this and say, if this is the Texas offense that played LSU, this is forty they, points, hey, easy, yeah, easy forty points if not more. Um, but but after what we saw last week, you, you're afraid they don't score twenty one. Yeah. I mean, we just don't we don't have any concept as to what to expect with this offense, which is a terrible thing to say going into the last game of the regular season. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's. Uh, I was talking to somebody about it. Yesterday, like I said, uh, we we had it was there was a the beat writers all had like a state of the program meeting after the game <laughs> where we were all sitting around. Uh, well, you don't have to name names, but share give give me some insight here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and you know someone brought up uh, someone brought up you know I don't know it was someone that's been on the beat for a while. Mm-hmm. You know said I don't know that I've ever seen the that I've seen a Texas team regress the way this one has. God, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's he- the truth. Heading the wrong direction, especially on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, those, I guess you could say those 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 Charlie Strong teams, especially that last one, you know, I think that that team kind of just quit on the staff. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking maybe the end of the Matt Brown era, there might have been a couple, but even then, I, I don't remember something like this. Not not from beginning to end, where where this team started and where it is now. Yeah, where going toe to toe with the top team in the nation, the number one team in the country. You know, yeah. uh, but which you just know, confounding. The, got, that seems like it was eleven years ago at this point. I'm, I'm not smart enough to explain it. Apparently, because <laughs> I keep going back, and it just doesn't make any darn sense. Yeah, and you know, you know, people, people may be listening to this podcast thinking, <laughs> "Man, I 
hope Chris and Dalton can shine some light on that. <laughs> <Just shine> <laughs> yeah. On, on what Texas needs to do, but sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we're here to tell you you're not crazy. And yeah. it, it's, it's just as confusing to us as it is to you. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is a defense. Uh, going back to, you know, kind of back to the point. This is a defense that. Wait, we had a point? Yeah. <laughs> that Texas, by, by by what you look at on the on paper, you know, let's, let's, let's see. I just had it pulled up a second ago. They've given up. They gave up 30 points to, to Kansas State. 33 to L- or to TCU, uh, 37 to Kansas, 34 to Iowa State, 33 to Baylor. You know, I'm having flashbacks here, Chris. <laughs> you better get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this is a, a defense that Texas should be able to put up enough points to, to beat. Uh, they're they're like I said, they're competent, but they're not great. But you don't you don't know what you're gonna get from from those guys in Burn Orange, especially after what where can best be described as a soul crushing loss and, and really just a you know a mauling last week. Yeah, t- t- uh, Herman was saying, you know, you we, we don't have to do much to get these kids up. They're competitors. You know, I heard that a lot last week. They're competitors. I don't you you, you don't have to really inspire people who love to play the game and who want to get out there. Well they're gonna need some inspiration this week if if you're gonna expect a high level of effort. I'm sorry. I mean, these are 18 to 23 year old kids. Um, They're going to need some inspiration this week because you're right. Soul crushing is the right way to describe the the Baylor game. And you know, the way every Texas fan feels inside right now, that's, can you imagine being, being one of those kids that spent, you know, 10 months getting ready for this season and being in this point? Four years. Yeah. Uh, uh, And, and hearing all off season, you know, you can't, you can't help it. There's no way you drown out all that noise. Of, you know, yeah. Texas is back. Texas is back. Texas is back. And when you're in this situation, I don't care how mentally tough these kids are. You're going to have to give one of your when uh, you saw Herman uh, headbutting players before before the Baylor game. You're going to have to give some kind of win one for the Gipper kind of speech. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe Tim Beck comes out and tells the offense, "Hey, this is for my job, guys." Or <laughs> yeah. Something like that. I mean, but uh, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have to inspire these kids to play. I, I don't care how mentally tough you think they are and how much of competitors you think they are. A Black Friday, 11 a.m. kick where the stadium's gonna be 70 percent full. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody else is home visiting their. You know, all their, all their. Uh, everybody else in the in the university is home visiting their 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 family. Mm-hmm. The student section is gonna be non-existent. Uh, you're going to have to do something to inspire these guys to show up and be ready to play. Yeah, the, the crowd's not going to be there to pick them up. If, if Even if there was enough enthusiasm in the fan base to have a, a, a raucous crowd, um, it's certainly not going to be there this week. Yeah. I, I mean, this is there, there's a, there are a lot of seniors on this team that clearly have uh, – have developed, they, they've got the love and the trust of some of these younger players. So, I mean, that might be something that gets them up. But. I, I agree. And I think I said this a couple weeks ago where I said how, how they come out of the second bye week was all on Sam Ellinger and how his, his team leadership. But really, I, I, it's it's the Malcolm Roaches of the world that have got to sit down with these guys. It's got to be player-led. Yeah. It's got to start right from the ground up. Um, and and it, it has to be emotional and, and you know those seniors care. You've seen it in Malcolm Roach's face throughout the year. It, it's going to be have to be something from one of them. I don't think a coach is going to be able to give some speech pregame that's going to get them on their toes. It's got to it's got to probably start tomorrow 
uh, if not today, and it's and it's got to be player led. And and one thing I think that has to happen in this game is Texas has to get out to a fast start because has that happened in two months? I'm trying to remember the last <laughs> time you could say it did a, a first quarter touchdown for the love of God. Like, yeah. Let's let's uh, do, do something early. You're right. Yeah, and, and if you can get if you can get a couple quick scores or a couple, you know, you get up by, you know. 10 points or so, this could turn cathartic where, you know, you could take out the frustrations of the season on it. Yeah. Uh, and if if you get down 10 points, this could turn disastrous where you get blown out by a mediocre Texas Tech team at home in front of your home crowd. You're right. I, I, I The, the uh, momentum in this game is so important because if they go down early, if Tech comes out, and does what West Virginia did on the first couple of plays of the game, those first two possessions, three possessions, I don't know that Texas has the fortitude to withstand that. They did during West Virginia. Um, They were able to come up with a big play, swing that momentum back. I don't know that Texas at this point in the season has the fortitude to withstand a eight-play drive touchdown on the first possession of the game or a three followed by a three and out. I, I just don't – I don't know that it's there anymore. I think the momentum at the beginning of this ball game is direly important. Right, and it's not it's not us questioning the character of this team. It's no, us questioning not at all. The, the limits of human character, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that the first quarter of this game you is going to go – a long, long way to showing what this game's going to end up being. And, and I agree. They go down 10 points, and this could turn disaster in a hurry. They, they put on two touchdowns, and I think you see Texas run away with it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I I, I, I think that uh, this is set up to be a, the kind of game where I think the winner wins by two scores or more, and that could either be a really good thing for Texas or a really – not so good thing. <laughs> it depends on which way that uh, that first quarter goes. That ought to be interesting. Well, I guess uh, let's go ahead and, and talk uh, at this point. We, we like to finish these things up with predictions uh, for the ball game. What what are you, what are you thinking right now? I uh, man, I have been way off on the on the ones <laughs> that I've made the previous couple of weeks. I uh, but I, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Texas does show up in this game and, and tries to tries to you know get something whatever's left whatever kind of joy is left in this season tries to tries to tries to get it out of it and they they you know they get a couple of touchdowns on the board and, you know pull away a little late you know 34-24 Texas 34-24 Texas I could see that I could see that like I said I, I agree with you that it's the beginning of the ball game that's really going to dictate where that momentum starts and, and where the the effort continues to go uh, throughout the ball game and and so I'm, I'm in a similar situation I try and be optimistic and, and I don't want to go predicting that Texas is going to lose you know what 32-21, something like that, because it's just too depressing to think about. So let's go ahead and, and, and stick. I mean, it is, but this. <laughs> let's be realistic. This is a Texas Tech team that's just not very good. I mean, they're okay. They've, they've had some close losses. We can see some ways that they could make this trouble for Texas. It's, right. it's not hard to see, but they're also just not the quality of team that Texas has played for most of the season. They're 2-6 and six in Big 12 for a reason. I agree. I'm, I'm thinking that this might be one of those 
those let's pile it on type games. I'm going to go ahead and say that Texas scores 40 um, and, and and puts them away. Something like 40-28. Um, I think Texas... It, 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 I'm hoping. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm making this prediction with my heart. Texas is going to come out and 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 release those frustrations, as you said, and, and put one on him. All right. I. Uh, I. 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 You know. I, I think that uh, there's a lot of listeners hoping that you're exactly right on this one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up. Uh, and uh, I, I appreciate you stopping by, Chris. This is uh, the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven podcast. I'm Dalton Sweat with uh, Longhorn Maven publisher Chris Dukes. Find out more on si.com slash college slash Texas. And uh, thanks for stopping in. All right. You guys have a good one.